Today is our, our last Sunday in our series called What's Under the Hood. We, we've looked at nine core values that, that power our ministry here at Divine Savior. We've seen things like we thrive on more joy than guilt. Uh, we seek unity within diversity. Uh, we seek to plant gospel seeds. We seek to build bridges. Uh, these are just a few of the core values that we looked at over the last nine weeks. And up until this point, I think all of us are on board that these are good core values to have. That we believe in them. We love them. Uh, we might not feel comfortable doing them, but we think as a church these are good values to have. For instance, we might not feel the most comfortable with planting gospel seeds, telling people about Jesus, but for a church, we 100% agree this is a great core value to have. We believe in them. But today's core value is a little different because we might not believe it. The core value is it's more blessed to give than to receive. And yes, as I mentioned earlier when we looked at Acts chapter 20, we know that this core value comes directly from God's Word. It's word from word from God's Word. But again, just because God's Word says something doesn't mean that we always feel that way, that we always believe it. I remember... When I was a little kid, my mom was teaching me giving and to be generous. And so on Sunday mornings, what would we do? We'd get to church, offering time would come around, and what would mom do? She'd open up her wallet, get out a dollar bill for each of us, and say, give it into the offering plate. Well, it didn't take me long to realize I wanted that dollar. Uh, because there was, a, there was a gumball machine at Agee's, the, the, the local uh, breakfast place, that you could get a gumball for a quarter. So that would give me four gumballs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and so as the offering plate comes around one Sunday, guess what I did? I balled up that dollar in my hand, acted like I put the, uh, put the money in the offering plate, and passed it on. The offering plates go up to the altar, and... Being a kid and not really thinking things through, guess what I did? I pulled out the dollar and started playing with it. <laughs> Mom sees it, and after the service, she said, you're going up to the altar and putting it in the offering plate. But think of everything I could have bought with that dollar. <clears throat> things don't really change over time, does it? Think of all the things we could pay for if we just didn't give right now. Think of the bills I could pay off. Think of the things I could buy for myself to enjoy if I just wait a little bit to give. If I give later, not now. This is what the Corinthian church was facing in the first century. We're looking at 2 Corinthians today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you're new to the Bible or not very familiar with it, the Bible is one book, but it's actually a collection of 66 uh, it's like a library of books. And, and in the New Testament, which is dealing with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and after, uh, the majority of them are letters written to Christian churches. Two of, them, two of those letters are to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And, and in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes chapters 8 and 9, the longest section on giving in the entire Scripture, in the entire Bible. And the reason he's encouraging the Corinthians to give is because the Corinthian church uh, had started an offering for uh, Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, because famine struck, 
And they went from a, a well-to-do congregation to nothing, to wondering where they were going to get their next meal. And so Paul is writing to all of his churches and going around and collecting an offering for the Jerusalem church so that they have food. And the Corinthian church, as wealthy as they were, it started off strong. It started off strong and then it tapered off. Why? Think of the, money, think of the things I could buy with this. Think of the bills I could pay off with this. And so Paul writes 8 and 9 to encourage them to finish the offering so that he can take it back to Jerusalem with him. And in chapter 8, he says, do you, do you want to know what our motivation is? Here it is. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What was true for the Corinthians is true for us. What is the motivating factor when it comes to giving? It's that our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich, for our sake He became poor. The God of this world, the Creator of all things, the Creator of every rich that we have, all wealth in this creation, has way more riches than we could ever imagine in heaven. He sat on His throne, had no problems, and yet He said, for your sakes I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to give it all up and I'm going to come to earth and I'm not even going to be rich on earth. I'm going to be poor on earth. And in my poverty, I'm going to go to the cross and on the cross, all of your sins are forgiven. You become rich. Not rich with wealth, rich with heavenly wealth. With riches that never spoil, never perish, never fade away. This earth and, and the money that's in this world will fade away, but God's riches that He gives you will never fade away. And there's even more inheritance waiting for you. And so the riches that you have is the forgiveness of sins. Guilt-free lives. You have the wealth knowing that when you die, it's not it. But heaven is waiting for you. God's home is waiting for you. A life with Jesus is waiting for you. Paul says, these are the riches that you have, and this is what motivates us in our giving. And so he sets the stage, and now he's going to talk about giving in chapter 9. So we flip the page to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 6 through 12. What we're going to do is, we're going to do things a little differently. I'm actually going to read the whole section to you, and then we're going to look verse by verse. So 6 through 12, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever." Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. All right. 
That is the whole entire section. Verse 6 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. One of the reasons why it's so hard to give is fear, isn't it? Fear paralyzes and takes away giving. Takes away generosity. And what is behind it? I won't have enough. If I'm constantly giving and I'm never getting, then everything just goes out and I don't have security anymore. I don't have enough to pay my bills. I don't have. And so I'd rather get than give. But here's your first point this morning. When you give, you get. When you give, you get. And to illustrate this point, Paul talks about a farmer. And he says, think about a farmer. If a farmer has a big bag of seed and he sows sparingly, he's stingy with it, he throws some in this corner, some in this corner, some over here, some over there, but he's not generous with it, what kind of harvest should he expect to receive? A stingy one, right? But if a farmer is generous and he throws that seed all over the place, what kind of harvest should he expect? A generous harvest. Here's Paul's point. Corinthians, when you give generously, you can expect a generous harvest. You can expect to get when you give. And the same is true for you and me. When we give, we can expect to get. And this isn't the only section of Scripture that talks about this. Uh, You can write it down. We're not going to look at it. Malachi chapter 3. Uh, God tells His people, give and watch if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven. Because God says, when you give, I promise to give back. And so when you give, you get. Just over three years ago, we started the church here. uh, And I was out in the community, met a guy, invited him to church several times, and uh, he finally came to church one time. And he gave an offering. Uh, didn't see him the next week, nor the next week after that. One Sunday, I'm, I'm here getting ready for church. It's about 8.15, and uh, all of a sudden, the guy walks in. He said, hey, pastor, uh, I'm just stopping by to drop off an offering. I said, you don't have to do that. Just come back at 9.30, and, and you can give it then. And he said, oh, no, I'm going, I'm going to get donuts for, for the family. Uh, and I said, well, you don't have to give an offering. He said, no, no, I want to. Because uh, God's word seems to be right. When I gave that offering, that whole week, my life was blessed. And so he gave an offering. Didn't come back. A couple weeks later, he shows up again. <laughs> Around the same time. Pastor, you're not going to believe it. Uh, I, when, when I gave last time, my whole week was blessed after that again. So here, I'd like to give an offering. This man who wasn't coming to church believed the promise that when you give, you get. When God says, when you sow generously, you will reap generously. That's what the man understood. And isn't that what our God does? Or did? How many people would be in heaven if God didn't generously give His one and only Son? Zero. But what did God do? 
he generously gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And what kind of harvest is God reaping right now? Billions and billions of Christians from all time, and and will continue until the end of the world, are now lining the halls of God's mansion. Why? Because God generously gave His one and only Son. When you give, you get. Remember, our motivation for giving isn't to get, it's just God's promises that when we give, we get. Our our motivation is, God has blessed me beyond belief. Look at all of the riches that He has given me uh, eternally. I want to worship Him through my gifts. And God just happens to promise that when you give, you get. So what does this look like? What kind of harvest will you reap? It can be all kinds of different harvests, right? Uh, Can it be monetary? Absolutely. God knows the bills you have to pay. God knows the mortgage that you have. He knows the car payments that you have. Uh, God knows it all. And He knows that those things need to be paid in order for your life to have its needs met. And so God can absolutely uh, give you a harvest of money. But we don't expect that. Maybe it's a, a harvest where you trust God's promises more. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If the harvest that you reap is, is stronger trust in God's promises that He's going to provide for everything you need. Imagine what a life would look like if you didn't worry about finances. And that life can happen as you grow in God's promises. And maybe that's the harvest that you reap. Wouldn't it be wonderful to to live a life where you trust God's promise that your sins are forgiven, that you don't have to live filled with guilt, that that those memories of what you did in the past still haunt you? Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to live that way? Maybe that's the harvest that you reap. Maybe the harvest that you reap is better relationships. Better relationships with, with people here, better relationships with people out there, better relationships with your Father in Heaven. Maybe it's just the fact that you, you grow in, in more joy in spiritual things. Yes, the world has great things, but God and the things that He gives me and, and my relationship with Him, wow, that is what I find joy in. Maybe that's the harvest that you reap. Maybe the harvest you reap, you, you won't even know and realize it's a harvest until heaven. See, see when, you, when you give to Divine Savior Church, you're supporting the ministry here, and, and you are a partner in ministry. In a lot of ways, uh, maybe we should change the name member of a church to partner, because we are partners in ministry. We're partner in changing people's lives with Jesus. And you're a partner of it. And so maybe the harvest that you reap is able to look back on the counseling sessions that take place. As, as we help people through, through issues and, and stronger faith in Jesus as we get them into God's Word. Maybe the harvest that you reap is able to look back and, and see the marriage counseling that happens and how God saved a marriage through His Word, through the counseling sessions. Maybe the harvest that you reap is to be able to go back to a starting point class and seeing someone who's taking the class for the very first time and seeing their eyes open and seeing as the message of Jesus touches their heart and they realize, I don't have to live with this guilt anymore. I don't have to live in fear anymore. Maybe that's the harvest that you reap. One thing's for sure. God will give you a harvest. 
Because when God promises when you give, you get. And so a fair question to ask yourself is, if I'm not receiving, maybe I shouldn't ask, God, what's going on? I thought you promised me blessings. Maybe a question I need to ask myself is, am I sowing generously? Because if I'm not sowing generously, I can't expect to reap a generous harvest. God promises when you give, you get. But that leads us to a couple questions. One, who should give? Two, how much? Paul anticipates it. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Who does Paul say? Each of you. Do you get an income? That's you. Uh, Do you have kids in college? This applies to you. Do you have kids in all kinds of activities? This applies to you. Do you have a mortgage? This applies to you. Do you have car payments? This applies to you. Do you have a part-time job? This applies to you. Do you get an allowance? This applies to you. Each one of you should give, Paul says. How much? What you have decided in your heart to give. Not coming in and what's left over in my wallet, but sit down with your spouse, sit down with your budget, and say, here's what we have decided in our heart to give. And then, Paul says, give cheerfully. Because here's the second principle that Paul wants you to know today. God wants an attitude of get to, not a have to. When it comes to giving, God wants an attitude of get to, not have to. And so here's the truth. If you're giving today, or any time, and you're giving because you feel like you have to, don't give. If you're giving because you feel pressured into giving, don't give. If you're giving because you feel guilt because you're not giving, don't give. God doesn't want that. I don't want that. God wants a cheerful giver. God wants for for us to say, I am so enamored by what God has done for me, so overwhelmed by what God's done for me, I want to do this. That's what God wants. And so maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, pastor, I'm the exception right now. I could be a cheerful giver uh, in like a year after I get some of my bills paid off. Then I could be a cheerful giver. I'm the exception because I've got bills to pay. I'm the exception because I've got kids' tuition. I'm the exception uh, because I've got a a car payment. I'm the exception because my car needs uh, new tires, new brakes, and a new windshield. I'm the exception uh, because I've got a baby on the way and we're going down to one income. I'm the exception because... And you fill in the blank. Why do we think we're the exception? Fear, right? Because fear paralyzes giving. And Paul anticipates this. Paul anticipates this whole conversation, the whole back and forth. And here's what he says. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Paul picks up on that farmer illustration, doesn't he? And notice what he says. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. You know that seed that you're scattering, that you're being generous with? Paul says, God promises to to supply that and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Again, when you give, God promises you get. He says you can trust that. I promise you. I promise you. Here's your third point today. God promises when we give, He provides. Paul says he is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. But what if the car breaks down? God is able to provide. What if something happens in my house? The, the air goes out, the, the heat goes out, uh, the water goes out, something happens. God is able to provide. What, what if the kids get sick and end up in the hospital and bills line up? God is able to provide. What if, what if you fill in the blank and then say to yourself, God is able to provide. You know, when, when I was a kid... Uh, my mom was, uh, uh, my parents were divorced and, and we lived with my mom. But I never questioned once whether uh, I would have food on the plate. I trusted that my needs would be met. I trusted I'd have food. I trusted that I, I'd have clothes. Uh, I just trusted mom would take care of it. And I also trusted that on Sunday morning, mom would have a dollar for me to put in the offering plate. I never questioned it. And if we never question human beings, why on earth would we question God? Who is the creator of all things? Who is the creator of wealth? Who is the one who says it's more blessed to give than to receive? Who promises that when we give, he's going to get, or he's going to give? And why can we trust him? Not only because he promises these things, but he has shown it. Because he has invested so much into your life. When you talk to people who, who have adopted, they will tell you that adoption isn't free. There's a price for adoption. And there's a price for God adopting you. And that price was His one and only Son. And He said, I'm willing to pay it. I'm willing to pay the price. And He generously sent Jesus to live and die for you personally. If no one else on earth would believe in Jesus as their Savior, except for you, God would have said, I'm still willing to do it. And He generously gave His one and only Son who paid the price to forgive you all your sins, who paid the price to free you from death, who paid the price to open up the doors of heaven that you may have all the riches in God's kingdom. And that is what you have because of Jesus. God says, I'm able to provide for you. And that's exactly what He's been doing every single day of your life. 
Every single day, God says, I'm going to provide for you. Every single day, God is patient with us and lovingly forgives us for the times that we're selfish, forgives us for the times when we don't trust. Every single day, God says, come here, calm your hearts. I am your loving Father in heaven who knows your needs. I'm going to provide for your needs and I'm going to give you what you need to be generous. Trust me. Calm your heart. I will continue to provide just like I have in the past and just like I always will. Why? He's invested so much into you already. He's invested His one and only Son. Do you know what would be hard to give? Do you know when it would be hard to give? Is if we had a hands-off God. If God created the world and then stepped back and was a spectator God. But that's not the God we have. We have a God who is intimately concerned about your life, who is watching every single move you make, who knows every feeling that you have, who knows every situation that you're in. This is a God who's invested in your life, invested His one and only Son. This is a God who forgives you of your sins. And He says, I'm not going to leave you uh, on this earth as an orphan. I'm going to take care of your needs just like a father does. And I'm going to give you everything you need to be generous. And so, let this be in our minds as we go into the future believing it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as we do, trust that we have a Father in Heaven who is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You provide everything that we need. We thank You for Jesus, for generously sending Him uh, into this world uh, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. We thank You that You have worked faith in our hearts uh, and that You continue to be with us providing everything that we need, forgiveness of sins and every physical need that we have. Uh, We thank You for that. We ask You to deepen our trust in You uh, that we may know that You will take care of our needs and help us to be generous. Amen.